I'm Sean Maloney from Nutraceuticals World. I'm joined today by Ellen Shutt, Managing Director of the Global Organization for EPA and DHA Omega-3, better known as GOED. Ellen, welcome to our studio. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you. It's great to be here. Very excited. So I don't know how many people know Ellen is actually the founding editor of Nutraceuticals World. And this November marks 25 years since the debut issue. So this was 1998, about four years after the passage of DSHEA, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. What was the environment like back then? What stands out to you? What were your conversations like back then? Just, uh, just high energy, excitement, just, just the fact that the Shea had gotten passed, which I think a lot of people didn't expect to ever really happen. There's some really good stories about that. And just a feeling of, of momentum and just, just a real, real energy around the industry. And I would say back then, I feel like there was a lot more conversation about herbals. And I think that the whole botanical category was something that was really, uh, more in peril if Deshay wasn't passed. So there was there was a lot of activity around specifically, I would say, you know, a lot of the, the um, herbal products. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would say that the industry then was a lot more smaller, a lot, there were a lot of smaller companies, you know, after, after Deshay passed and, and the momentum continued, a lot of pharma and big food companies got involved and, and made some acquisitions. Mm -hmm. And the industry became more professional and, and that's a good thing and a bad thing depending on how you look at it but i think that that it really maintained that that energy and that excitement from from the late 1990s sure now your good friend robin pask was the founding publisher yeah. uh, unfortunately she she passed away yeah. um in 2021 i don't i never met robin personally i've you've i've learned a lot about her from you and others um I know that she was very dedicated and passionate and knowledgeable about energy. She even made her own echinacea tinctures. She did indeed. What would you have people know about, about Robin? So Robin and I worked together, but even before Nutraceuticals World, she and I were on another publication together. But when, when we started researching Nutraceuticals World and, and considering a magazine in this industry, that's where she really shined. And it really was her passion, like you said, and, and her, her, we both felt like it was our baby back then. And you know, she was very earthy, crunchy, a little bit of a hippie. And in addition to making her own echinacea tincture, she was a reflexologist. You know, this was just, it was her world. And, and, and I think that the, when she talked to somebody about advertising, she could talk to them intelligently about, about St. John's wort or about vitamin B or, or you know, whatever, whatever the conversation was, she knew it and believed in it. So, so it made us, I think, a really good team back then. Uh, sadly, Steve Lipscomb, former associate publisher of Nutraceuticals World, also passed away recently in 2020, shortly after his retirement. Do you have a favorite Steve story? He was a fixture at events for many years. Well, I would not call Steve earthy crunchy, <laughs> but um, I would say that, that he had a soft spot for this industry, and I think he probably learned a lot in all of his years at Nutraceuticals World. And uh, Steve and I were very different in terms of uh, where we wanted to go to dinner. Steve was a foodie, but he was a big meat eater, and I am a pescatarian, so no meat. So, so we would have a lot of battles about where we would go in different locations around the world when we were traveling together. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I had one of the best meals of my life with Steve in Geneva um, at a Vita Foods event at, at a restaurant overlooking Lake Geneva, and it was just this multi-course meal. It was, it, was just a, it was a beautiful meal. And years later, neither of us could remember the name of the restaurant, so we're very sad because I can never go back there again, but it was a really, really great dinner. Um, so you've been on the other side of your editor's desk for a while now. You've worked with various stakeholders in the industry. How has your perspective changed? What have you learned 
since then that you didn't expect? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing when you're a magazine editor is you talk to a lot of different companies. And so, you know, I always say a mile wide and an inch deep in terms of what you know about all the different segments of the industry. And you know what the companies want to tell you because you're going to write something positive, hopefully, about their company. So, so it's very superficial is not a good word, but it's, it's, it's you don't know the inside details. So when you start, I mean, I, I left Nutraceuticals World and, and sold ingredients. That was the first thing I did after I, I transitioned out of, out of this, out of that job. And uh, you then know, oh, sometimes a product doesn't pass quality spec or sometimes something gets stuck in customs and you can't ship to the customer. And so there's all these things that happen that, that aren't part of the story that you see in a trade magazine, but they're part of the reality of the business. And, and again, we're in a natural products industry, so, so sometimes it doesn't rain as much as it's supposed to and, and the thing you want to harvest isn't ready when it's supposed to be. So all of those things are part of the, the supply chain that you kind of have to deal with and you don't necessarily see that part when you're, when you're on the magazine side. Yeah, there's a lot more nuance, mm -hmm. nuance I'm Absolutely. Sure. Um, so let's talk about, about omega-3s a little bit. Um, how has the market evolved since the days of straight cod liver oil? And now we have so many different sources of omega-3s, so many different delivery mechanisms. What's your impression of innovation and the advancement of science, uh, especially as new tools like AI become more accessible to businesses? What's your right. expectation for the future? Well, that's a lot of questions. So, so <laughs> cod true. liver oil. Um, so cod liver oil is still around. It's still you know a key ingredient. And, and you know you so you go to somewhere in Scandinavia and you see a bottle of cod liver oil on the breakfast buffet. You know it's still a huge part of the industry. Um, but you're right. There's there's so many more options now. And um, and I think that the innovation. The, the innovation is almost intimately linked to the science because there's so much science on omega-3s and, and seeing different, different um, outcomes that, that make sense or that, that, have, that have evolved in terms of the research done on EPA and DHA, I think has, has fueled a lot of the innovation in terms of, of the different, you know, the different um, reasons that you would take omega-3s. Mm -hmm. And then from a, from a technology or an AI perspective, I feel like that's a hard question because I don't necessarily associate science with the AI with science, but is is there is there a place for AI in automating some part of production, or is there a way that AI will help with test methodology or, or something in you know the quality or R and D realm? I feel like that's mm -hmm. that's the answer is to be determined, but that's where it seems like it's got a lot of potential. Sure. Yeah. What's the biggest issue in the omega three market? right now? And how are companies managing uh, the economic concerns? Yeah, I think economic concern is the biggest issue. Um, definitely. You know, so fish oil prices are, are very high right now, uh, particularly anchovy, which is the majority of dietary supplements come from Peruvian anchovy oil. So, so prices are high. Um, and, and then that coupled with the concern around inflation and, and the, you know, the macro economy is just leading to a lot of uncertainty. And I mean, I always say I'm very optimistic that omega threes have a great have a great future ahead, and, and you know the potential is there. But right now, I just think that there's there's questions about what will happen at the consumer level as as prices are are finally the the, the price increases have trickled down through the supply chain, and we're seeing some increases at the consumer level. Still anecdotal, mm -hmm. but will that cause cause um, Maybe not uh, consumers to leave the category, but will they consider a different product or or a different product? So I think mm -hmm. that that is still the question, and that's an issue. And I, I think you know the economy in general is an issue. So it's something that's definitely impacting omega threes right now. 
Yeah, it seems an across-the-board issue of are consumers going to trade down to right. less premium brands? So right. That's sort of an unknown factor. Yes. What are the biggest challenges to communicating about the science of omega-3s, and what strategies have you deployed? So I just said there's so much science, and, and that's that's true. The There's a couple challenges. Uh, one is with omega-3s, you don't necessarily feel an immediate benefit. So, you know, in this world where everybody wants the latest fad and they want something that happens and, and makes you feel different immediately, you know, omega-3s don't have that. The, the history that they have and the, the gravitas that they have as an ingredient is great, but, but is, is it, it's kind of boring to some consumers because they, they're looking for that energy drink or, or you know, what, what, what's the next CBD? Right. Um, so and then so that's part of it, and then the other the other challenge is around dosage, and dose is important, but consumers don't know. Do they need 500 milligrams? Do they, do they need 1,000 milligrams? Doctors don't know. Doctors, if they even recommend it at all, will say, yeah, take one pill or take one gram. But is that a gram pill or is that a gram of EPA and DHA? So so there's no real good education around those types of of again the word nuance. And I think GoEd is trying to educate. We've done infographics explaining how to take care of your supplements, how to choose a good supplement, what you should be looking for on the label in terms of dosage, and make sure the EPA and DHA are broken out separately. So, so we're trying to give this information to our members and to our consumer audience, but it's hard. Like it's, it's really hard to get the message out. And it's hard because we're a global organization. So, so what you say in the US is not necessarily what someone's saying in Europe or in Asia or in Australia. So, so it's, very, it's very different from country to country and that makes it very challenging. What about healthcare practitioners? Are they receptive to the messages in the US? Uh, not, somewhat? So, somewhat, yeah, somewhat might even be too high of a bar. Mm -hmm. I think I just was talking to someone recently about dry eye because omega-3s have, have good research against dry eye disease. And that's an example of where our ophthalmologists will recommend omega-3s. Um, prenatal, I think, is another category that more OBGYNs know about omega-3s than necessarily a cardiologist. And we, we always said, by the time you're talking to a cardiologist, they're talking about surgery and drugs. They're not really saying, oh, you, can, you could have prevented this heart attack if you took omega-3s. So I think we have a long way to go before practitioners really are on board with, with recommending omega-3s. And it's sad because the consumer research that we've done, the reason people don't take omega-3s is because a doctor didn't recommend it. Yeah. So we still have a lot of work ahead. That's a challenge. Now, GoEd has a, developed a sustainability committee. What work has come out of that so far? So the biggest thing, and so we, 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 we've, been, we've said for years, I can tell you the story about the sustainability of the anchovy oil fishery and the Antarctic krill fishery. And, and so, so there's, there's a sustainability story around each of the different sources of omega-3s. And of course, we didn't even mention algae, which is, is you know, could be infinitely sustainable. Um, but what we are trying to do with our sustainability committee is to understand better what the whole supply chain is doing around sustainability or ESG. Mm -hmm. And so we polled all of our members to get information on where they are in their sustainability journey. And we have just commissioned what we're calling a horizon scan that uh, you know an, out, an outside consultant is going to look at all of the different factors that our industry needs to be concerned about looking out five or 10 years in terms of a, a sustainability or ESG um, 
situation or world. Mm -hmm. And you know, Europe is so much ahead of the US. So it depends right. on who you're talking. You talk to the Norwegians and they're like eons ahead of anything we're doing here. So, so it really, again, varies very much on, in terms of who you're talking to around the world. But there's, you know, there's, there's the omega-3 industry is very enthusiastic about having a good, and not just having a good story to tell, but, but you know, walking the walk about mm -hmm. being a sustainable industry. So I think that we're really serious about it. And GoEd's role is to understand that and be able to tell that story. Um, now, GoEd has its biennial GoEd exchange, which happens every two years, uh, and scheduled for January 23rd, 25th, 2024 in Athens, Greece. Yes. Sounds awesome. Yes. Who is this event intended for? What should people know and expect? Okay. So, so the GoEd exchange, like you said, happens every two years, and it's really the one event for the entire omega-3 industry. So. We get uh, companies from around the world throughout the supply chain and, and different, different um, groups within or, or roles within a company. So you have corporate management, marketing and sales, you have R&D. And we always try and have a balance of business topics, science topics, technical topics. We usually try and throw in a little controversy because we like it to be a little more exciting. And, uh, you know, it really is, I just had lunch with someone last week that, that um, is kind of peripheral to the omega-3 industry. And he said, that event was the best event I've ever been to. He said, everybody was so warm and welcoming and it was just so easy to talk to people. I mean, I, the omega-3 industry is just a really special part of the nutraceuticals industry. And this really is a place where the, the whole omega-3 community comes together and, and you know, learns, but networks and, and just has, it's, I think it's a great peer-to-peer -peer conversation. Yeah, I've attended a couple in Salt Lake City and um, Seattle. Seattle, Seattle. Yeah. yeah. They were great events. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Very well-rounded and educational. I learned a lot from it. So Good. I recommend checking that out. Great. So bonus question. Okay. You're a seasoned traveler and an empty nester now. Yes. You could go anywhere you want at the ideal season. Where would you go and what would you do? So I definitely, traveling is one of my favorite parts of the job, and I feel like I've been to a lot of places. Uh, a place that I have not yet been, which is definitely on my bucket list, is New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So I've been to Australia, which I love, and uh, New Zealand, it just seems like there's so much natural beauty and so many great outdoor activities to do there. But coming, going from here to New Zealand, I feel like I need a month or at least a couple weeks, so yeah. I haven't managed to pull it off yet. But I would say that would definitely be top of my list. Hopefully one day. That Hopefully, sounds yeah. Sounds like Great, Ellen, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For Nutraceuticals World, I'm Sean Maloney.